church. And again, happy Father's Day to all our fathers. And we're just glad that everyone's here. Uh, I know that looks like things are a little thin this morning. I know we have people traveling for the summer. Uh, a lot of our northerners have made the trek back up north, and so we won't see them into the fall. But we're glad you're here, and we're glad that you're worshiping with us online today. For the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And as I said, from the very beginning of this series, I really feel like this series is vital. Because as I said, you know, there are some things that are just really hard to explain with words. I mean, you can try and define it, you can try and describe it, you can use metaphors and illustrations, but there are some things that are just better, not when they're talked about, but when they are actually seen. And so, for the last several weeks, we've been in Galatians chapter 5, you can go ahead and turn over there with me, where we have actually been looking at some character traits that the Holy Spirit of God wants to be seen in our lives. If you remember, in week number one, we talked about love and kindness and how these two are linked, how they go hand in hand. In fact, what did we say about kindness? Kindness is love in what, church? Is love in action. Right? And then uh, in week number two, we talked about these two, joy and goodness, how when we go out doing good, when we are not selfish but constantly thinking of others, then we have this sense of deep, satisfying joy inside of us. And then today we're going to talk about these character traits, peace, patience, and gentleness, and we're going to begin with gentleness today because I really believe that this is an area where most people really struggle, maybe even more so than the other two. And so we're going to begin with gentleness this morning, and I really think that gentleness is, is challenging today because so many convinced so many people are convinced that the only way to get ahead in life is to play by the cutthroat rules of our dog-eat-dog -dog world. And so, we can be tempted to associate gentleness with weakness. In fact, I think if you were to refer to someone as gentle today, they would probably take offense. For those of you who may be looking for a job or, or maybe for the last couple of months have been looking for a job, let me ask you this question. How many of you put on your resume, I am a gentle person? And how many of you have ever seen a commercial put out by the Marines where they said, we need a few gentle men and women? Right? I mean, gentleness is not one of those things that we regard as, you know, a, a characteristic that we want to possess. I'm, I mean, think about gentleness for a moment. What, what comes to your mind when you think about that word? Holding a baby. Holding a baby. Yeah, that's good, Richard. 
Maybe you think of uh, the first time that Bambi inter- you know, interacts with Thumper. Or maybe what comes to mind is Benji. I'm telling my age, I don't know how many of you remember Benji the dog, but maybe what comes to mind is, is Benji the dog rescuing some, some lost kittens. Or maybe when you think about gentleness, you think about tiptoeing through a field, being careful not to crush any of the pansies, right? In other words, when we think about gentleness, we, we don't think of anyone that we would like to be on our sports team. It's certainly not someone that we would want to fight along beside us in war, right? I mean, gentleness just seems so weak. And I think the reason we think that is because we've got the wrong mindset. We have a misunderstanding of this word. And and so write this down today. We're going to define it. What what is gentleness? Well, it means power under control. The term describes a horse trainer who takes a wild, snorting, bucking, jumping colt with all that energy and power and breaks it. Power under control. And if you really think about it, wouldn't we all be a lot closer to who God wants us to be and who we want to be if our power was under control? I think about the teenager who gets mad at their parent and goes into their room and slams the door and turns the music way up. Baby starts kicking things and throwing a tantrum. They need some power under control, right? I I think about a a parent who is dealing with a lot of stress at work and they come home and they start screaming and yelling at the kids for doing what little kids do. What do they need? Power under control. I, I think about... An adult who blows their top, maybe at work, maybe with their spouse, and they're just so filled with rage that they say all kinds of terrible language, language that would make a sailor blush. What do they need? Power under control. Listen, gentleness is simply our power under God's control. And and again, I want to go back to to making this statement. I really think that this is a problem for most of us. This is an area where I think most people struggle. I mean, you go back to the Bible and, and you look at some of Jesus' closest followers. Even they struggled with this. I think about Peter, James, and John. Guys who hung out with Jesus. Guys who were learning from Jesus. And man, they struggled with this. Right? I mean, think about Luke chapter 9. You have Jesus and His disciples. They're on the way to Jerusalem. But before they get to Jerusalem, Jesus decides that they're going to stop off in Samaria. 
And when the Samaritans realize who's coming to town, they are not happy. They are, they are not welcoming to Jesus and his disciples. And well, notice how James and John respond in verses 54 through 55. When James and John saw this, what did they say? Lord, we shall call down fire from heaven and burn them all up. That's gentle, isn't it? That's power under control, isn't it? Actually, that's a little overkill. And, and notice, Jesus, Jesus, he turns and he rebukes them for it. Guys, what are you thinking? And, and then you look at Peter in John chapter 18, verse 10. Remember, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. They're coming to arrest him. And what does Peter do? Man, he pulls out a sword and he swings and he cuts off the ear of the chief, chief priest's servant, Malchus. And let me tell you what we often overlook is let me tell you something. Peter wasn't trying to take off the, the ear. Y'all realize that, right? I mean, if that was his intention, great shot. But actually, I think he missed. He was trying to take off the head. And Jesus reaches down and he heals him. And he says, no, none of that. Put that sword away. Three guys who are really close to Jesus, but they struggled with power under control. I mean, they, these guys were rough, but Jesus saw their potential, right? He knew that if they ever decided to depend upon His strength and His power, then He could change them. And they would impact the world. And if you look at history, that's exactly what happened. These three guys, Peter, James, and John, even with all their rough edges, they played a huge part in the ministry of Jesus, and they still influence our lives today. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 29, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. In other words, those of you who are out of control. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon, upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble. And what does Jesus say about himself? I am Gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. In other words, Jesus says, if you'll just come to me, if, if you will just yoke up with me, he says, I will teach you to be gentle. Because I'm the gentle one. I will enable you to have power under control. Jesus was gentle, but was Jesus weak? Absolutely not. I mean, you go to Matthew chapter 4 and you see Jesus going toe-to-toe, -to -toe, man, with Satan overcoming huge temptations. In Matthew chapter 21, you see Jesus going into the temple and He cleans out the money changers and the thieves. In Matthew chapter 23, you see Jesus confronting the Pharisees and the religious leaders about their hypocrisy and about their misinterpretation of Scripture. And then you get to Matthew 27 and we see Jesus going to the cross. Which is probably the greatest demonstration of, gen of uh, gentleness in the history of the world. 
Why? Because Jesus could have called 10,000 angels to come and take him off that cross and destroy the world as we like to sing. But he didn't. Instead, he carried our sins to the cross because he knew no one else could. That's how much he loves us. You see, without gentleness, without power, think about this, without power under control, the most important event in the history of the world would have never taken place. How do you feel about gentleness now? And here's the thing, gentleness grows when we submit our power to the Holy Spirit of God. And here's the thing, if that's not happening for you, it's because of one of two reasons. Either you have not given your life to Jesus and received the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, or you've given your life to Jesus, but you're not abiding in Him. John 15, 5. In other words, you're not cooperating with Him. But listen, this could be the day that you change that. This could be the day that you give your life to Jesus. This could be the day that you not only receive His grace and His forgiveness, but you receive God's power to become the best version of you. Gentleness grows when we cooperate with the Holy Spirit to submit our power to His control. Romans chapter 8, verse 9, Paul writes, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, and remember, notice what he adds, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. Also look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. This is a great verse, and I just want you to see how these two words connect. But notice what Paul writes, always be humble and what church? Gentle and be what? And patient with each other, making allowance for each other's fault because of your love. Now again, I, I just want you to see the connection between these two words. Gentleness grows as Patience grows. You see, those times when we just absolutely lose our cool for not keeping our power under control stems from impatience. How many of you would say that you struggle with patience? I'm reminded of the story about the guy whose car stalled in heavy traffic right when the, the traffic light turned green. And man, he's doing everything he can to get the car started. And all of a sudden, the guy behind him, man, just starts laying on the horn and he's shouting. And, and the guy's, oh man, he's doing everything he can, bless his heart. And he's sitting there and he's trying to get the car cranked. And the car won't crank. And the guy just keeps honking. So finally, he gets out of his car. He goes back to the guy who's honking. And he knocks on the window. And when the guy rolls down his window, he says, look, he says, why don't you go up there and try and get my car started, and while you're doing that, I'll stay back here and honk your horn for you. 
But how many of you can say, let me tell you something, if, if I'm honest, I can identify with a guy who's honking. Right? If there is one thing that's universally true about all of us, and I know this is true of me, is we hate to wait. It doesn't matter who you are. You can be rich, you can be poor, you can be middle class, you can be red, yellow, black, and white. We're impatient. We hate to wait. We hate to hear those words, just wait, wait a second. Or listen, I'm going to have to put you on hold. Or I hate to tell you this, but the item that you've requested, it is out of stock. And on back order. And how many of you will be honest to admit that while you're watching Disney Plus and Netflix, when it starts buffering, man, it starts driving you crazy. Or what about that cell phone that's actually, if you think about it, sending, <laughs> sending uh, messages from your phone bouncing off of a satellite out in outer space and then bouncing back down to earth, but when it starts to stall out a little bit, you're like, oh, this is terrible. Right? I hate to wait. And when patient levels run low, man, look out, because that's when a husband's tempted to say things to his wife that cuts deep. That's when a wife gives her husband that look of, man, I'd love to send you to the moon. <laughs> that's when a parent screams at their kids. That's when an employee explodes on his or her boss. So you're like, yeah, I get it. It's like, could you hurry this up? I don't like to wait. So could you, could you tell us, I mean, how, how can the Holy Spirit help us with patience? Okay, well, here we go. Patience grows, and you're not going to like this when we endure trials. That's why you hear people say, I don't ever pray for patience. Right? But it's, it's true. Some of you are probably thinking that being in a place that's calm, serene, everything's perfect. Man, don't have to wait for anything. That would help my patience a lot. But instead, God allows us to be put into situations to where our patient level stretches and grows. We, we looked a couple of weeks ago at James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. I want to read it from a different translation. This is not a paraphrase, but I like the way this translation reads. When all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, my brothers, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as what? Friends. Mm. Interesting way to look at it, right? Realize that they come to test your faith and to produce in you the quality of... Patience. You say, okay, Slade, I, I hear what you're saying, but you're going to have to explain to me exactly how that works. Well, when we go through pretty good-sized trials, we start to realize that the stuff that we typically get bent out of shape about, it's really not that big of a deal. Right, those long lines at the grocery store, that heavy traffic that you're sitting in on I-4. Listen, when you're going through some big trials, 
when you've got some big stuff going on in your life, that stuff is like, that's no problem at all. I'll take that all day long, right? You learn not to sweat the small stuff. Even the, the minor irritations that used to absolutely drive you crazy. When you start going through some trials, it's just like, uh, that's the least of my worry. In fact, people who have had very few difficulties in their life, they tend to be more impatient than those who have had many. Now, some of you are going through some rough stuff at this moment that's really testing you and, and you've been praying about it and, and it's a situation where you're having to wait. And that's challenging. And so for maybe some of you, patience for you is waiting for the results of a medical test or a biopsy. Or patience for you is waiting for your financial situation to turn around or, or for you to hear from that job. Or, or maybe for some of you, patience is waiting for someone to say, I love you or to forgive you. Or maybe for some of you, patience is waiting for the Miami Dolphins to win a Super Bowl. Which I hope you live a long time. But as you get into Scripture, one thing that you see over and over again is people that God used in a big way. Typically, they went through trials first. I mean, you have Noah who had to wait 120 years to see that first raindrop. You had Abraham who had to wait 25 years before his wife Sarah finally had Isaac, whom God had promised was coming. You had Moses, who had to wait 40 years before his people were able to go into the promised land. And by the way, Moses didn't make it in. He only got a glimpse. And then, of course, you had the Jews who waited for century after century on the Messiah. And you had the disciples who had to wait in the upper room for the Holy Spirit to come. Some of you here have had dreams about what your marriage would look like, but your marriage has been very disappointing. It's not what you envisioned at all, and so maybe for you, patience is refusing to walk away when it would be very easy. Or refusing to have an affair. And the temptation there is just so hard. Or maybe patience for you is that you allow God to transform you into the kind of marriage partner that you need to be instead of impatiently waiting for God to change them. Or maybe you're single. And you've been waiting for a companion. You've been waiting and praying for God to, to give you someone that you could spend your life with. And so maybe for you, patience means holding on and refusing to give up on life. Maybe for you, patience means pouring your life into self-sacrificing service instead of self-pity. 
or refusing to settle for a lesser relationship that could lead you away from God. Again, remember what James tells us when all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, my brothers. Don't resent them as intruders. Welcome them as friends. Realize that they come to test your faith and to produce in you the quality of patience. Gentleness grows when we submit our power to the Holy Spirit's control. Patience grows when we endure trials. And then lastly, Peace grows when we focus on what we know to be true about God. I don't know how many basketball fans we have here this morning. I loved basketball growing up. I played all throughout high school. I know quite a bit about basketball because of that. And one, one of the things that I know and I realize is that it's very common for a basketball team to hit a hot streak, to go on a run to where they score between 10 and 12 points. I mean, just back to back. While the other team is unable to do anything because of the mo momentum shift. And so, what will typically happen, what happened when I was playing basketball, is our coach would call a what? A timeout to stop the bleeding, right? And he would call us together. And he would pour some, some positive reinforcement into us. He, he would share some things with us that, that we needed to be reminded of that were true. Like he would call us together and he would say, listen, we still got a lot of basketball left. The game's not over. We've come back from deficits before. Listen, you guys can still do this. Just calm down, take a deep breath, and don't give up. It's kind of like what we see Isaiah doing in Isaiah 26 verse 3 says about God, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are what, church? Fixed on you. Isaiah says, look, time out. When you fix your thoughts on God, that's when you will have true peace. Because let me tell you what can happen to us, guys, as we look at the world, and I think this is what's been going on for the last year and a half, as we look out at the world, whether it's on television, on the news, on social media, we hear about all these things, we see all these terrible things from COVID to rumors of war to all kinds of politics you know, political craziness and, and you know, we have uh, things going on with the stock market and our personal finances and our, our jobs. And let me tell you something, as we look out at a world where there is chaos, we can become very scared and worried. And that's when, like Isaiah, we go, wait, 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 time out. And we remind ourselves of what's true about our God. For example, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 3, God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, we're told that He, that's God, is greater than He, that's Satan, who lives in this world. Remember that. He's already defeated. You realize that, right? We're here because of victory 
in Jesus. There's also passages like Romans chapter 8 where we're told if God is for us, then who can stand against us? In Romans chapter 8, we're also reminded that there is nothing in all creation that can separate us from the love of God. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55, we're told that death has no sting. Death has no victory over us because of Jesus. In John chapter 14, Jesus reminds us, look, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I get done, I'm coming back for you. I'm not leaving you here. This world's not your home. We just need to be reminded of what's true about our God and He will give us peace when we focus on Him. And patience grows when we endure trials and gentleness grows when we submit our power to the Holy Spirit's control. But those three things, peace, patience, Gentleness. God says, look, I want people to see that in you. In a world that is just absolutely crazy, that's full of, of violence and all kinds of division and just all kinds of craziness. He says, I want people to see these things in you. Now let me tell you something. When people see us, living these things out, not just talking about it as Christians. When they see us truly living these things out, we will impact the world. And just imagine what our lives would be like. Even in heavy traffic, even in long grocery lines, if we allowed the Spirit to control us, not our, not our impatience, not our anxiety, not our, uh, our stress, but rather the Holy Spirit, what a difference it would make. And it can happen. In fact, I close out with this verse today, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't, what church? Be doing what your sinful nature craves. Let the Holy Spirit control you. Submit to Him. And today, if, if you've not done that, maybe you've not given your life to Jesus, you've not put Him on in baptism, Receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Man, we would, we would love to talk to you more about Jesus. Uh, we would love to talk to you about His mercy and His grace and His forgiveness. Today, if you are a Christian, but maybe you haven't been abiding in Him. Maybe you've been trying to do things in your own strength, your own power. I'm guilty of that. I like doing things myself. But it takes the power of God to be able to do anything. That's what Jesus says in John 15. He says, without me, without abiding in me, you can do nothing. And so maybe you need to go back and start abiding in Jesus again. 
Whatever the need may be, if you need to come, once you come together, we stand and as we sing.